You are listening to Social Bees Radio, where we put the honey in the honey pots. I'm your director, the Rickster, and if you ever wanted to know everything and anything about Web3, crypto, or NFTs, you're in the right place. So fasten your seatbelt, get ready, and let's get started. Hello, hello, hello from Austin M2 and Cardiac Chris. We are getting settled back in the FBDU labs uh, where we are creating a mixology of topics to host and inspire an inter- interactive, fun, and educational discussions. Uh, we're all about the education and collaboration. Uh, we, we welcome you to come up and join the conversation and share your thoughts. Tonight's topic we're going to start talking about, uh, wait for it, the evolution of the Internet. This conversation sounds uh, like it go on for days. So uh, we'll start to dive in, in here in a second. How you doing, Mr. Austin? GM, GM. It's always GM and NFT land. Um, yeah, I'm excited to get back to the spaces. And um, thank you for co-hosting these with me um, and alongside me. Tonight's topic is going to be very interesting with the evolution of the Internet. And I just want to give a shout out for the SBU DAO for uh, hosting these spaces and providing a platform for us to provide Web3 education and discussions around it. Uh, and yeah, I'm excited to dive into today's topic when it comes to the evolution of the internet and how we got to where we are today. And uh, fun fact, it probably predates all of us here, or most of us here, um, as it started back in the 1960s. So um, cue up uh, what you had for us, and let's get into the uh, let's get into the topic. Yeah, I was uh, I, I was doing a little research on on the, on the topic. You sent me over some information. I was I was dumbfounded to see uh, how early this started and how it progressed. Um, just touch on the social bees real quick, socialbees.io you can go to, and uh, all the information and links are on there that, that, that you would want to learn about us. Uh, all the links to OpenSea, uh, Discord, YouTube, Twitter, Medium, uh, and anyone that's here at Forte, the link's on there, and, and it'll get you directed right to where you want to go. Um, yeah, so uh, so I was, I was reading over As we get into this, um, what I really enjoyed about it was, you know, not just the history, which we'll start with here in a second. But when I got to certain certain years, you know, as I'm going through this thing and, and dates and stuff, and I'm like, where was I? You know, it's, it's, it's good to put yourself in the situation, right? And I was like, where was I? And what was I doing? And and why did I, why was I not aware? And why did I miss out, right? So you start to start to evaluate um, where you were at those particular times in your life and 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 why this all seemed so, uh, so, so new. And well, not new, but so interesting that, uh, I was completely unaware of some of the stuff, and um, and and that's that's really intrigues me. Absolutely, you know, it's um, it's crazy that how much innovation has taken place around us, and we're completely unaware of it sometimes. Um, you know, I, I found it interesting that uh, decentralization was something that was a hyper focus even forty years ago uh, when it came to um, when it came to uh, with the internet being adopted. So, um, I wanted to get started with just the ground level, so where it began, how it got started, how we got to where we're today, and that's why it's called the evolution of the internet. You know, I'm 27 years old. I didn't really live through a lot of this stuff, so for me, this is just reading, uh, you know, essentially historical text or third-party information. And so for those that have a lot of personal experience with the evolution of the internet, it'd be great for if you came up and added into the uh, added into the conversation uh, when there's a time that you feel like um, you can add value into it. So if you want, you can request to speak throughout those times. And then also before we get into it, retweet the room. There's a uh, button on the bottom right corner that you can press 
and that will uh, tweet the space out. Let's get uh, some more people in here. Let's get the conversation flowing. And then again, just want to give a shout out to the Social Bees University and uh, leading the way with Web3 World Changers and uh, going and accomplishing that. So Cardiac Chris, um, and this is what was uh, a couple of things here that was crazy to me. And I got on my, I got on my list here, ARPANET, uh, the beginning of email, TCP, IP addresses, and then uh, 1987, there was a certain fact there that was mind-blowing to me. And so just to get started, the Internet began in the 1960s during the uh, Cold War. The U.S. government wanted a way um, to prevent or were concerned about potential attacks on the U.S. communication systems and so decided to fund the development of a network of computers to talk to each other. And this, was beca this became ARPANET, Advanced Research Projects Agency Network. Now, it's crazy how we've advanced pretty far from there, right? From ARPANET to Internet, what the hell is ARPANET? So, uh, 1969 was the first time the ARPANET delivered its first message, and it was from a research lab in UCLA and to the second in Stanford. Um, essentially, by the end of 1969, just within a couple of months, four computers are connected to ARPANET. So, um, it's starting to grow. But at the time, I mean, hell, that's, uh, that's a long, that's a long ways back. Um, as it grew, uh, the network grew steadily throughout the 1970s. And you started reaching to the East Coast, uh, the West Coast, and various pockets of the network. Um, and then there's a big breakthrough. The computer programmer Ray Tomlinson implements the first email program on the ARPANET system and introducing the at sign to separate a username and a uh, machine and so this is still used widely today and in 1974 was the beginning of tcp transmission control protocol now this is one that i really loved uh, learning about because this is where it became decentralized in 1974 um people wanted to link together arpa like networks and make them an inter network and this was the birth of uh, of the internet and the what tcp enabled was that there's no central control for these computers to talk to each other. And so um, it released it from, you know, ARPANET or from uh, control of maybe the military and governments and made it to where the internet was completely controlled by the computers of the network. So the computers that went and hosted TCP and connected that way became a decentralized uh, protocol and communication network. And we can go into some of the stuff around TCP. Um, that's not really my wheelhouse, but there's one other fact that I wanted to get into, um, at least right now, and then uh, we can toss over some of your thoughts was a domain naming system. So now we go crazy, we see people that have, you know, dot eth, the Ethereum naming system. And the idea behind that was because we had these long string of numbers and addresses that were essentially really difficult for us to uh, transfer ETH or crypto over to each other. And so this began the birthing of Ethereum name system and you have, you just send it to your name. So austinm2.eth or, you know, xyz.eth, whatever it is, made it easier to transfer our crypto. Well, they experienced something Back in 1984, that was very similar. Whereas, if you went to a, um, an, a website or um, you know went, went and checked out a website, you had to type in the IP address. And what the DNS did, domain naming system, is it created a domain name for you to go and uh, make it easier instead of having to type out an IP address. So the same way that we had we have a long string of numbers with our crypto addresses, and we wanted to make it easier, so we have the .eth names. This is uh, something that, you know, history repeating itself. There was the IP addresses and hard to remember, and they didn't really convert easily, and it made it into simple names. So I'm going to stop right there before. No, there's one more, one more. Yeah. Uh, 1987, there's nearly 30,000 hosts on the Internet. So what that kind of referenced to me was, like, miners. 
So right now we have, um, you know, miners that are supporting the Ethereum network or supporting the Bitcoin network. And uh, back in 1987, there's only 30,000 posts. And I kind of just referenced them in my brain, I guess, to miners, 30,000 miners on the Internet, 30,000 hosts on the Internet. So it's a very small network at the time in 1987. And how much has it grown over the years? It's absolutely insane. But Cardiac Chris, um, I'll let you take over here. What are some of your thoughts and things you want to add? So as you go through these things, um, and, and like you explained right now with the 30,000 posts that are kind of like miners, you, you see similarities between Web 2 and 3, but like everybody talks about, it's like Web Web, Web 2 on steroids. It's it's more advanced, better technology. Um, but you see how things progressively get built and, and get better. Um, you know, it blows my mind that, that we're still, you know, back in, uh, you said, uh, back in 1971, Ray Thompson, uh, you know, with the ARPNET system, he he um, used the app sign to uh, separate the username from the, the name of their, their machine, which is it's crazy. Like we still we still use that, right? It's 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 effective and it, and it has a purpose and it's it's easier to use. And that's kind of as you were going through that, that's kind of what uh what you see going on right now in Web three. And the same thing that happened in Web two was there were these ideas, and these ideas became the creation, right? And and they became the creation, but they weren't they they were more technical and and not not set up for you know the ge- the general person to to use uh, daily and easily and um, you know and then idealists come up with the the ideas to to create those in a better way a more usable fashion and, and easier to understand language and. Um, so you see the similarities of what's happening, what's, what's going, kind of puts things into perspective about what's going on right now, right? When, when you try to you try to explain something to somebody and you jump right in it and then you realize, you know, whoa, whoa, um, I need to slow it down a little bit, have, have, a, have a little bit more in-depth conversation, not use certain terms. And um, it, it really puts things into perspective. And it's good to know the history of these things. Like I've never even heard of ArtNet. And uh, I started reading through this. And it, the, the way it progressed... Um, you know, the, the, like the ARPNET grows steadily through the, uh, the seventies, but the first thing on the, on the first page I was reading was, uh, it'd be the internet begins in 1960s and it began, ARPNET began, but it took them nine years to get to the first message. Right. And, and, and then, you know, then they had multiple sites. I, I saw the four sites, you know, in the, uh, throughout the seventies. So, you know, it's it's a it's 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 actually it's actually just very it brings you back down to reality about what's going on right now. And um, there's a lot of similarities. So if, if you go through this page page by page or year by year, you, you start to notice like I mean, you can you can kind of you can kind of start to see how the adoption of the internet happened and how it's going to relate to adoption of where we're at now. Except it's a whole different ball game with uh, technology and I, the, I, the the progression of it, right? So, um, yeah. So let's 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 go ahead and move forward. That was uh, in 1987. Where were you in 1987, Mr. Austin? Were you born yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> I believe uh, I believe my mother was graduating in fourth grade. So. Oh. <laughs> I believe I believe I believe my dad was um, officially dropped out for the third year in a row. At, uh, at the fourth grade, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, it'd be, it'd be interesting if we if we had our whole crew on here with uh, 
Sir, Sir Francis and uh, and the, the geezers to, to hear hear from them, like uh, where, where you know what they were doing at these years, and did they even did they even hear of ArpNet? You know, because I mean, obviously back then, I mean, we'd be more prone nowadays to to hear about what's going on because of the, the connectability with with everything and, and the internet and other people and news. You know, back then they didn't have the the ease of access to all the information, so you would think that this was like you know, this only a select handful of people knew about this. Yeah, well, I mean, what's crazy about it is you had uh, kind of two technologies developing at the same time, which was the development of the computer itself and the development, just like the hardware, and also the development of the internet on top of it or a network with these computers. So there was a lot of limitations at the time when it came to what they can or can't do, and it's crazy to see how much it's progressed and just slow and steady of how much it's progressed. Well, um, and, and you know what I like to I like to say about the, the differences between two and three are, and it's 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 and this is in real life too, right? Like, if we, if you and I had a hundred thousand acres of land, and someone else had a hundred thousand acres of land, and we had infrastructure and they didn't, and neither of us ever built before, uh, we would we would smoke them, and building a community, right? We can get together subcontractors and contractors and, and build together houses. Uh, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying we could probably push through that. The people that were up against that had no infrastructure, they would be dead in the water for God knows how long um, just to build the infrastructure to be able to build the community, right, or build the housing. So when you want to look at how things went, that's the hurdles that they had to they had the the challenges and hurdles that they had to overcome. And right now there's infrastructure built there. There's, there's the technology's coming. It's, it's here and it's coming fast because there's previous knowledge about how, how these things function and work. And it's, it's not brand new, you know, back then and there it was, it was completely brand new and web three is completely new, but it has off, built off a foundation of the one, two, and um, so that's why when people say, you know, it's, it's going to, when it comes, it's going to come fast. That's, that's why, right? Absolutely. Well, you know, really what we're talking about with the beginning of this was Web Zero. It's just, it's just the genesis of the internet, the origins of it, and how it got started, how it became conceptualized, um, and how it progressed. Um, and then you get into Web One. So we've, we've said Web Three a couple of times on here. We even have it in the title. But how do we get to Web3 if we haven't even gone through Web1 too. So Web1 uh, kick-started predominantly mainly in 1990, uh, which was the creation of the World Wide Web. So believe it or not, there was no such thing as WWW. And this was something I learned in the, in the difference between the Internet and World Wide Web. I thought they were the same thing. But in reality, the Internet is the way that the computers are connected and communicating with each other using the TCP slash IP transmission control protocol and the internet protocol to link devices worldwide. Now, the World Wide Web is an application layer built on top of the internet. And so this World Wide Web uses different uh, programming languages and protocols. But what's interesting about it is that these protocols are all decentralized. And so this is what gave room and gave birth to um, things in the matter of search engines. So the first content-based search protocol came out in 1991, and it was called Gopher. Now, Gopher examined, you know, all sorts of files and indexes throughout the Internet, but it was the first content-based search protocol 
Also, we got the first webcam in 1991. And you start to get the development of different web browsers. And, um, but in 1995 is the year that the internet became commercialized. And what that means is that there was there was an ability to securely transfer data from uh, a host or a computer, a user, over the internet. And so what happened was is SSL was developed, Secure Sockets Layer. Um, and this encryption was developed by Netscape and making it safer for credit card payments online. So what was cool about this is this gave room for e-commerce. This gave room for people to securely and safely pay for things over the internet, which at the time was, and I was uh, actually probably just a couple of months old at this time. So this is completely from me looking at it from a historical context and just reading and researching. So those that were around during this time and using the internet, you know, request to speak. But 1995, um, it gave the ability for e-commerce to come about, and people were terrified, from what I hear, to put their card on the Internet. It was not something they were willing to do. They're like, are you crazy? I'm not going to put my card on the Internet. Somebody's going to steal it. Um, and so this gave room for some of the adoption for e-commerce to start about. And um, the first ever item sold on eBay. What was it, Cardiac Chris? What do you think? Oh, I read the, the, the thing, so I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you cheated. You cheated. Yeah. All right. So... So uh, somebody, those listening, send me a direct message of your guess of what the first item ever sold on eBay. And don't cheat. Don't go and Google it or do any of that. Send a DM of what your guess was to be uh, the first item ever sold on eBay. The, as uh, I get through this, oh, no, go ahead. I was gonna say, as I get through this, just want to go through Web1, that you have all these companies, Amazon, eBay, Netscape, uh, Mosaic, um, Gopher, Google. Um, you have all these companies, Wikipedia. And Wikipedia was one of the largest social experiments in the history of the world. And what was crazy about it is how people came together. Uh, and they call it the democratization of information. Um, but all this is Web1. And what was really fascinating about Web1 and gave it for hyper growth was the ability that as a company or as an entrepreneur, you had the security of knowing that if you built something on top of the HTTP or the World Wide Web, if you built something on top of that protocol, it wouldn't be able to be disrupted because it was a completely decentralized technology. And so Google had the comfortability that they can go and spend $100 million or $10 million. They can spend, even if it was just personal sacrifice, and spending their life work, you know, five years, 10 years of their time to build a product or a service. They were building it on a decentralized protocol that nobody can turn it off. So they knew that they had the security that if they spent their time or their money to build something, they knew they had the security that it couldn't be you know, turned off or there wasn't a central authority to dictate the permissions around it. Um, that's why Web1 was really powerful as it gave room for, you know, the even like in Wikipedia's case, the democratization of information. So this really decentralized communication, it decentralized the ability of, of products and services that could be built. And then you get into Web2. But before getting into Web2, I wanted to pause there, see if you had any comments on there. And uh, if anybody wanted to come up and uh, um, comment anything with Web1. The um, so there were a couple of key words you said, and I want to reiterate what Austin just said. Um, I have I, I challenge people to come up and tell me because I use I use Netscape. I remember uh, you know first hearing about it and people telling me to use it. It's uh, it's where to go. Um, and and then you know as I'm flipping through this, they also mentioned AOL, and we we always talk about this and, and have this discussion about um, you know it, the the first out doesn't always win, right? So, you know, these companies, uh, you know, somebody, I, I, I joke, you know, somebody gave me their, I think it was their AOL um, uh, 
email or some some crazy email or hotmail or something like that the other day and i was like when was the last time i heard of a hotmail i I think that's what it was it's just um you know they 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 weren't the winners but there's three three words that you 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 kept on mentioning there and it kind of like what i what i was talking about earlier with the progression of of web zero to web one to web two and and how it all relates into web three safety security and protocols you said that a couple times and and when you look at those words, those are all strong words. And if you ask people back then what a protocol was, they'd be I don't know, dumbfounded, not sure, um, have to go research it. And uh, you know, and, and to me, that word protocol is interchangeable with, with words like smart contract and uh, you know tokenomics and, and things like that nowadays. You know, it's it's you know once you see the big jumps in these technologies and things that happen throughout throughout this timeline that we're going through. When you have the, the the masses of people that are feel safe and secure, right? So, uh, hey Beverly, you came up to tell us about your uh, your experience. What you want to talk about? Oh, hi, uh, everybody. I always love when the people are talking about education. I teach at UCLA, and I am going to be launching one of the first uh, NFT classes anywhere on a college campus that I'm aware of. I know there's blockchain um, courses going on. Um, So on August 30th, uh, we'll be doing a a one and a half hour webinar through UCLA Extension. But I love what you guys are talking about because it's exactly... um, the kinds of things that I'll be talking about in the class about Web 1, 2, and 3 and this kind of evolution. I'm also writing a book called From PCs to NFTs, and it's going to trace that arc that you're talking about right now that starts, you know, long before P- uh, PCs even. But um, anyway, I just thought I'd chime in and uh, just it just really give you, uh, you know, props for talking about the education part of this. Um, if we don't, if we don't educate uh, the users, the public, the decision makers, um, then the scammers and the hackers will win because that's what this will become. It'll just be a big mess, you know. If we can educate people and stay focused on the business um, uh, aspects and on the creativity and on the um, freedom that is potential in uh, blockchain and Web3, I think uh, things will be very different. So I just really applaud you for doing what you're doing. I just thought I'd chime in. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, hey Beverly, thank you. Stay up here. I have a question for you in a sec. Sure. So, so, yeah, so what you said, and that's, I'll plug us a little bit, the SBU, uh, SBU Dow and Social Bees University. That's, we call ourselves a university because that's what we're, we're about. We don't, we don't get on here and you know push people to go go buy things and do things we we were running the 24 7 space just to invite people to come up and ask questions and, and learn and not to say that every you know we're, we're all geniuses but we have a large community that we can um get you to resource people the resources that, that know about any topic that, that someone may have but you, you, you being that you, you host in this space that, that's amazing and i have a question so uh i'm, I'm in my mid to, mid to late 40s and you know, as I go through this timeline, I, I see a lot of things that, that I missed that I, I wasn't paying attention to because I was a kid. But it's, whenever I talk to teachers, I always I always ask them this because I, I, my ex-wife was a uh, taught at the university. And I don't know if they do this at UCLA, but they would get that. Kind of the high school teachers, I think, get it too. They, they get the, the, the pre-pad um, like of like all the things that you, you don't need to reference anymore because the kids won't understand what you're making the connection to because they weren't even – they weren't even born then. And yeah. I, I, I look through this timeline and I think about it. Even Austin, my co-host that's on here with me, he's an amazing young man. But, you know, he didn't 
you know, he didn't, he got to a certain point where he says like, you know, that I, I, I read that in, in the history books or this is a history lesson to me. And it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's, it blows my mind how, how, um, how, how later on, how quickly things started to move. And as we get in, into the web three space, how, like I, we were just speaking about before about, about how the infrastructure is already there. They're not building from ground zero. So how hyper fast it's going to be, you know, over the next couple of years. Well, you're absolutely right. And, and I'm even uh, in a different demographic than you. Uh, you know, I was there at the launch of the PC in 1981 when IBM announced their PC. That's before the Mac. The Mac didn't come out until 1984. Um, I was a COBOL programmer early in my life. And nobody, hardly anybody even knows what COBOL was. But it's the IBM mainframe language that still runs today, still runs all the banks and insurance companies all around the world and governments today, uh, pretty much. So, And what you know, I, I had the ability to be kind of at the forefront of a lot of these different innovations. I was there at the PC. I was there through the uh, connected PCs, then into the uh, dot-com era, then into social media. In 2011, I wrote a, a book called The Power of Real-Time Social Media Marketing, which is still available on Amazon. And it was written really as a textbook for um you know, social media, because nobody really knew what that was about. But there's a lot of themes that keep uh, recur recurring, you know, and um, you see kind of early adopters, you see a lot of uh, money get thrown thrown at something, you see a lot of evangelists, you see a lot of crazy stuff that you just scratch your head and go, what are they thinking? And then things begin to kind of simmer down and the real use cases emerge. And so, uh, and then the other thing that emerges is, uh, it's funny you mentioned Hotmail earlier. Hotmail was the killer app for, uh, you know, networked PCs. I mean, that was, that was the bomb. That was 1996, okay? And that was amazing because that meant that you did not have to go to your office in order to get your email. That you could, if you had a personal computer at home, you could actually get email on your personal computer. So, you know, things are, um, uh, and, and where we are now, we might look back and say, oh my gosh, can you believe that people were buying, you know, uh, certain NFTs or that, or how primitive smart contracts might seem? I mean, they seem very advanced to those who know about them, but we might look back and say that that was like baby stuff, you know? So, Things uh, history does repeat itself, even in technology, and even if it's very fast moving. And 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 you bring and you mentioned COBOL and how the banks and, and a lot of governments and people is still embedded in what they do. That kind of that kind of shows you, um, you know, the bigger you are, the slower you move, right? So you know they they have the they have the secondary and third and fourth fifth layers that they're working on that, that have all the other. It, it, it's it's kind of like the the, the web three layers, right? You know, it's, it's totally like that, but yeah. you're absolutely right. It shows you how entrenched you can become, but it also shows you how powerful COBOL was because it still keeps all this stuff moving. I mean, let's face it. It's kind of like people go, oh, bit, you know, Bitcoin. I'm not necessarily a, to, to uh, derail this to cryptocurrency, but people kind of uh, argue about what's the value of Bitcoin. The fact of the matter is right now, let's face it, Bitcoin has not been hacked. I mean, people have lost their Bitcoins, they've lost their wallets. The, the network itself has not been hacked and it's been in effect since 2008. Now that's pretty darn good when you think about uh, the, it's withstood quite a bit, right? And Ethereum is getting its own kind of uh, longevity also. So yes, it can become entrenched, but as you were saying earlier, H HTML is really powerful. 
And HTTP was really powerful. And that's why it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. You know, just like just like Cobalt's not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, well, maybe that. I mean, and and yes, a lot is built on top of that. And um, clearly, the innovation uh, is important. But it's just interesting to kind of zoom out a little bit and take a look at this from a timeline perspective. You know. And, so, and, and you, brought, you brought up real quick, Austin. I, I'm gonna let Austin talk in one second. I just want to say one thing on top of what Beverly was saying. And you brought up a good point, and, and why education and getting the information out to people is is and get them educated is very important because Bitcoin and these networks can be safe, haven't been hacked, but it gets when people people have been hacked and, yes. and it gets mis it gets misinterpreted when it gets passed along as Bitcoin's unsafe or this is unsafe. And um, and it's not it's not the network, it's the, the people and, the, and the, the scammers, like you said, when you came up. Austin, what do you have to say? Oh, I'm loving the Beverly. Thanks for coming up here and sharing your knowledge and your wisdom and and uh, helping educate ourselves, myself and the audience. I do have a uh, couple of questions for you and we will get into, you know, where crypto fits in in this evolution of Internet. We are just kickstarted. So we're going to be transitioning to Web2 here in a second. But I want to ask um, to derail the conversation a little bit. What are some of the struggles that you experienced throughout the adoption of the internet from the 80s, the 90s? Um, and do you see any correlations to those same struggles or pain points to Web3 right now? Well, I mean, you can just, just start with this. I mean, people would say things like, why in the world would you want to have a computer in your house? That is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Now, at the time, computers took up a whole floor. You could not have a, com you could not compute. Okay, the power of your cell phone is like, you know, hundreds of computers of the old days because uh, the memory and everything else was so uh, uh, low. And so a computer was giant. And people would think, why would I have a computer in my home? That's crazy. So that's number one. And then people would say, oh, you can play games on it. And they'd be like, what? That's that. Why? Why in the world would I do that? Don't we hear that now? Why would I buy a JPEG? That's crazy. Okay, we're hearing, you know what I mean? Then you get to um, in Web uh, 1 also, it was like, uh, oh, you'll be able to like download photographs and play video. Well, the video was still on cassettes, so nobody could imagine. We couldn't even think of what it would look like to put video in a phone or on a computer. And I remember the first time we downloaded a photograph in 1995, because uh, I had all this stuff because I'm a geek, and it took two minutes to download a photograph. It went line by line because the modem was so slow. So, you know, people just said, nobody's ever going to do this. You know, it's just going to be for geeks like you, not the real people. And there used to be a saying that when your grandmother gets it or your mother gets it, then you know that it's uh, ubiquitous. So when grandma was able to email, that was a big deal. When grandma was able to get a photograph and download it and not have to wait two minutes, that meant consumer adoption is here. Steve Jobs used to talk about that and say that, you know, if when people can actually do it easily, um, the people you wouldn't expect, then we know we've hit the, the tipping point of adoption. So anyway, I'll let you guys go. I, I support you so much for all the any education you're doing. And, you know, I'm a resource. I'm out there. I'm writing this book. I'm interested in anybody who wants to chat with me about their experience or their insights. I'm uh, there'll be case studies in the book. Um, there'll be uh, Jenkins, the valet and time magazine timepieces and a bunch of really cool stuff. So uh, we're just, you know, uh, just putting myself out there and letting everybody know. So thanks for the time, guys. Really appreciate it. 
Absolutely. Thanks for coming up and adding value and, and sharing and educating. And also, I, I followed you, and I'm, I'm going to send you a, a direct message because um, there's some cool things I think we can uh, collaborate on and uh, look forward to the book as well. Sounds good. I'm going to pop down now so you guys can continue on, but I'm going to keep listening. So thanks so much. Well, feel free to pop back up because we're going to be talking about the transition from Web 1 to Web 2 for a little bit here. And um, um, you, Since you wrote a book on it already, you probably have a lot of information on that. So feel free to pop back up. You have been listening to Social Bees Radio, where we put the honey in the honeypots. Make sure to check out our next episode of Social Bees Radio. Till then, signing off.